He's alive. He's alive. I can't believe it. He's alive. I've got to find them. John, I'm so glad I found you. I got to tell you. He's alive. I've seen him. All right, all right. Uh, slow down, slow down, Mary. What are you? What are you talking about? Jesus is alive. See him. He's uh, Jesus. Jesus is uh, Jesus is doing a jive. No, I heard Jesus is going for a drive. Do you know what a jive is? No. Do you know what a drive is? No. Mary, what are you talking about? Jesus is alive. Now, that's just not possible, Mary. I, I know you're terribly upset, but Jesus died. He was crucified on Friday. We all saw it. We saw his body. Now, I know you're probably terribly tired. You don't patronise me. I know what I saw. Surely you believe me. We were all at the tomb together. We saw that the stone had been rolled away. Ah, yeah, yeah. But, but there's, there's any number of explanations for that. Really? Go on, then. Give me any number of explanations. And whilst you're at it, perhaps you could explain the fact that I saw him. Well, leaving aside the fact that you saw him... Yes. Um, robber. It was a robber. A robber got in the grave and took the body. They do that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. A robber. Yeah. OK, then. How did a robber move a stone that was 20 mm. tonnes all by himself? Mm. Maybe there were two robbers. <laughs> Three? Uh, OK, OK. Maybe there was a team of robbers... But what did they steal? Hmm? Hmm? We all saw that the grave clothes were still there. What robber steals a dead, rotting body and leaves hmm. the most valuable thing behind? The grave clothes. Hmm. Hmm. Well, all right, it wasn't robbers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> soldiers. It, it, soldiers took the body. The soldiers guarding the tomb took the body. What? Mate, what? that's a bit of a thin explanation, even for me. I mean, the soldiers were there to make sure that nobody stole the body. Yeah. They didn't want anybody saying that Jesus didn't die. No, well, and these blokes are likely to be executed when they find out the body's gone missing. Well, well fair enough. But, but look, but look, <laughs> she's hysterical. We've got to do something yeah. about this. She's yeah. weeping and yeah. wailing yeah. and... Yeah. Well, all right, she's um, hiding it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But inside, yeah, there's a lot of weeping and wailing going on. Uh, look, she is making some good points. Maybe, maybe we ought to hear her out for a okay. moment. So, Mary, how did you come to meet with Jesus? Okay, okay, after you had left me at the tomb, crying... Yeah, thanks for your support, guys. Mm. I decided that I would go and have one more look inside the tomb, just in case we missed the body. So I went inside, and there were these two angels in white, sitting in the very place that Jesus' body had been. You saw two angels? Did they do anything? Well, they said to me, why are you crying? So I said to them, someone's taken my Lord away. Only I was crying so much, I turned away. And it was then that I saw him. And? 
Well, at first, I, I thought it might have been the gardener. Ah, ah, it probably was the gardener. That, that's how this whole misunderstanding's no, come no, about. No, no. Peter, be quiet. I want to hear what happened. Well, I said to him, if you've taken Jesus' body, tell me where you've put it. Yeah. And then he said, Mary. And I knew at once it was Jesus. I mean, I don't know why I didn't know straight away. Maybe it was because I was crying. But as soon as he said my name, I knew it was Jesus. So you saw him close up? Yes. And he said your name? Yes. You actually heard his voice? Yes. Well, it must be him. It must be Jesus. Peter, you must admit that Mary is not going to get mixed up when she's having a conversation with Jesus. Did he say anything else? Well, yes, yes. He told me to come and find you and tell you. That's why I was running. He said that he was going to go back to the Father, to his Father, to your God and my God. So, so he told you to come and find us and tell us. So maybe what he said before was true. I mean, what he yeah. said, he said, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And then I'll come back to life on the yeah. third day. Yeah. Hold on. Friday. Mm-hmm. Sa- mm-hmm. It is the third day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for the maths. That's, that's what I have been trying to tell you. Jesus is alive. He is. Oh. He is alive. Oh. That is amazing. Jesus is alive. Well, come on then, let's go find him. (laughs) After that, thank you very much, Peter, John and Mary, um, letting us know what happened. And that was based on the account uh, written in John's Gospel in chapter 20, if you want to look that up a little bit later. Now, uh, Tom, our vicar, is going to come and speak to us now. Uh, And if you were uh, a little late arriving and you didn't get your goodie bag, uh, if one or two, was it scrambled or fried? (laughs) Okay. Excellent. So we're all celebrating Easter today. Chocolate's part of that, of course, but it's wonderful that we're celebrating together here. And we've already sung some really celebratory songs and hymns haven't we? And we've seen in this service so far what actually happened. Believe it or not, that drama was very faithful to the text that we have in the New Testament, uh, and the video was too. All of those things happened in the weekend that changed the world. Because that Easter weekend was not about traffic jams on the M25, was it? It wasn't about weather forecast for that bank holiday weekend, the sort of things we think about. It was about a man who did something very ordinary. He died. And then who did something absolutely extraordinary. He came back to life. What I want to talk about today is why. Why did it happen? And today is Easter Sunday, which is the day that we remember Jesus rising from the dead. But I don't just want to talk about the resurrection, vital though it is. I want to talk about the whole Easter story, which is a bit like an Easter egg. Now, here's my Easter egg, made up of two halves. Can't eat it, unfortunately. But actually, I think the Easter story is a little bit like this. It's Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Put them together And you've got the whole thing. 
Without them together, you don't have the full picture. It makes no sense. And right in the middle, we've got a big empty space. There it is. The empty tomb. The empty tomb, the evidence that for thousands of years, Christians everywhere have had as the basis for their faith. The basis for their hope. But why did it happen? How did such a good man end up on a cross? And what does the resurrection mean? Well, what's the answer that Jesus gives us? What's the answer that the Bible gives us? Well, it's quite clear. It doesn't tell us a story of a tragic accident, of a Jesus who was a bit of a tragic failure, who who was a lovely man, a wise man, a miraculous man, a powerful man, an incredibly charismatic speaker, but who at the end of the day made a mistake and ended up on a cross. It doesn't tell us that. It tells us that Jesus predicted time and time again that he would die and also rise again. The Old Testament predicted it as well. Read Isaiah 52 and 53. It's full of a a prediction of why God would send his Messiah, a suffering servant, who would die for us all. By his wounds, we would be healed. So why was it necessary? Why did Jesus need to come and die on the cross? Well, the answer we get from the Bible is this. God is holy and we are not. The whole of the Old Testament was really about coping with that problem. Human sin. We let him down. We fail to do or say or think what we should do. And we do say or think things that we shouldn't. Let's all be honest. We're all in that situation. What does it do? It creates a barrier between us and God. It's a bit like being chained. I've got some chains here that belong to the church. I'm not quite sure what they're used for. Possibly to tie vicars down when they misbehave. But these chains symbolize actually being held back. We know who we want to be. We know who God made us to be. He made us to be the person that fulfills all of our good potential. He made us to be like Jesus. And Jesus came to show us what the perfect human life would be like. But the problem in it is our sin was like chains, holding us down, failing to allow us to be who we want to be, who we were made to be. So there was a problem. It needed to be solved. Jesus, who showed us the life we should live so that we would see how we fail to live it, also came as the solution. He came and died on a cross. The one sinless man who never sinned was able to be the perfect sacrifice that meant the punishment we deserved, we would not receive. That's what happened. That's why it had to happen. And what does the resurrection mean? It means that it worked. We're set free. Our chains have come off. We are now washed clean. All we need to do is to accept that gift, to open it, to say, I want to put my trust in you, Jesus. I want to receive that forgiveness. So what does Easter weekend mean? It means we all have sinned. 
But because Jesus died for all, if we receive that gift, we can all be forgiven. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a moment to actually put that into practice. If this is true, and that's the message of the Bible, that's the message of Jesus, that's the message of the church for 2,000 years, well then the obvious thing we need to do is just to turn back to God, to claim that forgiveness, to choose to live for him. And when Claire leads us through a time of confession now, I'll come back up and just talk a little bit like about what that life of being forgiven, of living for Jesus, actually means. So Claire, over to you. Thanks, Tom. So that's a very vivid image of how things we do wrong, being selfish, can really chain us up and bind us up and tie us down. So we're going to, if you look in your goodie bag now, if you've got one, uh, dig out the three pipe cleaners. Uh, You'll probably have three red ones or three black ones. I've ended up with a couple of different colours. Doesn't matter. And all you're going to do is to make a chain, okay? So how you do that, it's a bit blue petery now, all right? But just make a circle out of one of them. And then link the other one through and make another circle. All right. Can you all see what I'm doing? And then link the third one through and make a third circle. All right. So you make a little chain. All right. And then you're just going to hold on to that while we say sorry to God and ask him to forgive us. All right. So just make up your own little chain and then hang on to it for a minute. And the words of how we're going to say sorry, they'll come up on the screen in a moment. All right, so if you'd like to hold up your chain, if you've made one, so I can see that we're all ready. And if you haven't got a chain to make, you might want to be reading through the words on the screen there, preparing yourself to put yourself right with God, because that's what we're doing when we ask him to say sorry. Great, there's some really good chains being held up there, I can see. Are we all good? Okay, so all together, let's say the words on the screen now. Father, thank you that you love us and care for us all the time. We know that this week we have not always lived the way you tell us. We have done wrong things and not done all the good things we should have done. Only you can save us, so please forgive us. And help us to live as your friends. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now as a sign that we are going to be forgiven, that God does forgive us when we say sorry, we're going to make this chain into the shape of a cross. This is where it gets a bit clever. So take the middle bit and pull it to make a sort of straight line. Okay, so the middle one and you pull it up and squash it together. Okay, and you can twizzle it round a bit if you want to. Oh, no, don't do that yet. Oh, got got my instructions wrong. I did practice. Okay, and then take the other two up to the side and squash them. Can you see where we're going here? See how it's coming? All right, and up to the side and you squash them together. And then this is the clever bit. You just fold them in half and twizzle them round. Okay, fold them in half and twizzle them round. And then you can twizzle the middle bit, which will then hold it all into place. There's lots of twizzling. 
All right? So squash the middle bits into make the line going down, and then the two on the side, you've put, squashed them together and folded them in half, and then just twizzled them to hold. And you should have made yourself a cross. All right, the cross, which is where Jesus went to die to forgive us all that we've done wrong. Hold it up when you've got there. That's it, wonderful. I can see there's one here. There's one or two coming. Right, you can finesse it. You can finish it off later on. All right. We've got some crosses coming at the back. Great, well done. All right. Adults around you, if you're scratching your heads, doesn't matter. The children will have it sorted. Don't you worry. Okay, so we hold our crosses up now as a sign that Jesus has broken those chains and brought us new life and forgiveness in him. So let me speak God's words of forgiveness on us now. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. Now you can either hold on to your cross or tuck it back in your goodie bag because Tom's going to come and tell us more. Thank you. That's Claire Isherwood, the Blue Peter presenter that never was. So we've thought about what happened. We've thought about why it happened. What I want to finish with now is what does it mean for us? And the first thing I want to highlight is it means we can be friends with God. Now, we all know what friendship feels like on a human level, don't we? And that picture really captures it. It's not just something children experience, of course. It's something that hopefully we all experience all of the time. Friends are precious. And whenever we um, lose friends, it's tragic, isn't it? And I don't know if you've been in the situation where you've fallen out with a friend and then been reconciled. And that reconciliation is almost more special than any moment before that, isn't it? And that's what it's like with God. When we receive that gift of Jesus dying for us, we're being reconciled. We're facing up to the barrier that was there. We're facing up to the things that we've let them down about. We're saying sorry, and then we're receiving that wonderful reconciliation, and that brings us joy. It brings us happiness. So look for a little bag, and you will see a little smiley face. Can you find it? So get your little smiley face. Now, what I want you to do is to put that smiley face somewhere where you'll always see it. Not on your parents' forehead, but... uh, (laughs) Somewhere else, maybe in your bedroom, on your bed, somewhere where you'll see it on your favourite cup. And use it as a reminder that the resurrection of Jesus, Easter Sunday, is a reason to smile, to have joy, to celebrate. Friendship is a wonderful thing. And Jesus said this, if we do this, if we do what he's calling us to do, Jesus said his joy would be in us. And our joy will be complete. (laughs) Don't jump the gun. (laughs) Belief in Jesus. It's not about having a distant God that we hardly know. It's about having a God who has drawn close to us. Who we can know personally. And we can call our friends. So that's the first thing I want to highlight in terms of what it means for us. Friendship. Here's the second. We're called to be 
followers. Now, I've got a pair of trainers like that. A lot of people have. What do they symbolize? I think they symbolize the fact that Jesus calls us to go somewhere. He calls us to go where he goes. So being a follower of Jesus, it's not like having been following someone on Twitter. It's not like following a football team where you just have a sort of vague allegiance. It's more like having a home and away season ticket and going to every match. In fact, it's more like actually playing for the club, playing for the team. It's getting stuck in. It's saying to Jesus, you're the captain, you're the coach. I'll copy you. I'll follow you. You show me what you want to do, and I will play my part. That's what Jesus called us to do, not just to believe in him, as it were, to get a ticket for heaven, put it in our wallet, and never look at it again. It's not like that at all. That isn't what following him means. It's saying, you're the boss of my life. You're in charge. My purpose now is to go where you send me, to go where you lead me. And I know if I do that, that's going to be the most exciting, the most fulfilling, the most rewarding life I could possibly have. It's going to be the life that has the biggest impact in terms of blessing others. It's going to be the life that at the end of my life, I won't be regretting that I will be praising God for all that he's done through me, in me, and I'll be looking forward to life in eternity with him. So this is the party blower moment. Jesus said, when someone turns back to him, there will be joy in heaven. And he described the life of following him as being like a party. Excellent. There we go. I was wondering, how long can you let that happen before it gets awkward and embarrassing? (laughs) The answer is probably about half a minute. (laughs) And if you remember the World Cup in South Africa a few years ago, it sounded a bit like that, didn't it? So, will I be allowed to finish my talk? (laughs) It's only about another minute or two. I've got one final thing to highlight in the bag, and it's this. Get your sunflower seed out. It's only tiny. I've got two in this bag. They're they're minuscule. You won't be able to see them. But actually, this is what a sunflower turns into. We've all seen sunflowers, haven't we? And we know how tall they can get. We know that they're beautiful. What Jesus is saying to us is that if we follow him, if we receive the Holy Spirit that he sent to fill us, to empower us, to lead us, to transform us, then we have the most wonderful future to look forward to. It's a future where we fulfill our potential. It's a future where we know God is leading everything that we're doing. And it's a future where we know we don't need to fear death. But we can go where Jesus went. He said, I have come to prepare a place for you. The empty tomb means there's an empty place in our heart that only Jesus can fill. And he says, there's an empty place in heaven where one day we can be with him, where we will be blowing those party blowers and celebrating and dancing and singing all day long. Is that what you want for your life? That's what Easter's about. It's real. 
It happened. It transforms our lives if we let it do so. I plead with you, I encourage you, I strongly urge you to choose to live your life that way. Because to not do that is actually to turn your back on all that Jesus came to do. It's to say, I don't need my sins forgiven. It's to say, I don't need anyone guiding my life. It's to say, I don't need any wisdom from heaven to help me. It's saying, I don't need the power of God to make me the person I was made to be. Being a Christian isn't about some vague belief that you occasionally think about. It's about a daily life of dependence on Jesus who died for you. And daily life of dependence on the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And has so much that he wants to do in your life. So I want us now to just take a moment, just to pause and just to think about where we're at. Jesus knocks on the door of our life. There's a famous painting which captures that. We're inside. You can only open the handle from the inside. What are we doing? Are we listening to the knock, then turning on the TV and ignoring it? Are we opening the door? And saying to Jesus, come in, come and be my saviour, come and be my greatest friend. So, I'm going to leave about 30 seconds of silence. And then I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to invite Jesus into your life or renew your invitation to him into your life, pray that prayer with me in your heart. Okay? And that's the greatest thing you could ever do. So, Silence, and then I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that because of what you did, I am clean. I'm forgiven. I need feel no guilt. I need not fear the future. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lead it, empower it, transform it. Help me to become the person you made me to be. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And I just encourage you, if you prayed that prayer in your heart,